Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Good morning. How are you this morning? Doing good? Have a happy Easter already? Well, if, if you haven't been told a dozen times already, let me make it 13 or 14, depending on what your dozen is. Happy Easter. Man, we are so excited that you're here. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Vertical Church. And let me tell you, it's just our privilege to celebrate this day with you. We love Easter. I love Easter, even though you already know what I'm going to talk about. It's kind of odd being a pastor, because it's like, what else do you talk about on Easter? There, there are those of you in the room who, I'm not meant to, this shouldn't make you feel like awkward. You only come to church on Christmas and Easter, and I know why. Because you came on Christmas and Easter, and then you went back on Christmas and Easter, and you're like, it's the same two sermons. Like, do they ever talk about anything else? Jesus was born, Jesus died. Jesus, Jesus died. Well, actually, we do talk about a lot of stuff. In fact, we do some really helpful and engaging uh, message series here at Vertical Church. And so I would love for you to check us out uh, again next week. We're starting a series next week about what happens after Jesus uh, dies and, and, he, and he comes back. What, what happens? How does that little group of, of men and women, how do they go and end up changing the world? What's that look like? So we're going we're gonna to take a look at that over the next few weeks. Uh, we just finished a series on, on marriage that was so incredibly helpful. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, go to verticalchurch.tv. You can look at all the, the previous stuff. We don't only talk about the birth and resurrection of Jesus, but we do talk about it a lot because it's really, really awesome. I love Easter because I think it's the perfect time for anybody who has ever thought about considering Jesus to put their trust in him. I think, it's, I think it's a great day to reconsider Jesus. For some of you who grew up in church and, and you walked away or, or, or maybe you decided, like, that's not really for me, that doesn't really fit my life, and, and, and now you're back today, somebody invited you, you know, um, maybe, maybe somebody, maybe you're here today because somebody said they were going to bring you to Batman versus Superman, and you pulled into the theater thinking, oh, okay, yeah, they're not taking me to church, and now you're in here and you can't say no because they've already purchased your ticket for 1230. So you're obligated to stay with them the whole time because you don't want to pay for it yourself. Uh, we're glad you're here. I hope that you would consider Jesus today. Uh, maybe you're here today because somebody promised you lunch and you love to free, free food. And so you're like, yeah, I, I'm all for free food. I remember when I was in college, man, if anybody would offer me food, I was there because I was a college kid. So feed me and I am yours. Uh, maybe you're here today because she asked you to come and she's really pretty. And if she asked you, yes, I will go anywhere. <laughs> That's why you're here today. For whatever reason you're here today, man, we're just, we're excited to celebrate Easter with you. Welcome to Vertical Church. We love you. We hope you feel, feel the love, right? Uh, I think Easter is a great time, a great, great time to come to church. Some of you here today, you're, you're not like either of those other people. You actually don't want to be here. You got, like you, got, you got your arm twisted, and you're like, fine, I'll go, and, and, and I'll, just, I'll just do it. And on the inside, like you don't look like this now because you're too polite because you're from the South, but on the inside, your arms are just crossed, and your face is just, I'm not all this little worried as man says. What, what time is this over? 11.15, that's what time it's over. It's like, God, can this just, like you're praying, God, can this just hurry up? And you don't even believe in God. We're glad you're here too. 
I think Easter is a great time to consider putting your faith in Jesus and, and becoming a Christian, even in spite of the fact that you know some Christians. You know what I mean? I think it's a great time to become a Christian in spite of the fact of your bad church experience. Like you went to church and you got burned and you got hurt and, and they talked about you and they said bad things about you and they didn't welcome your family and they didn't welcome you because you were a little bit different. I think it's a great time to become a Christian even though you think we're all hypocrites. Can I give you the inside scoop? We are. <laughs> I am hypocrite number one right here, man. Like, I stand here and I preach this, this good news, this gospel about how Jesus can change your life and, and he's changed my life and yet I'll go from here and I'll make some stupid mistakes and I'll make some stupid decisions and I'll come back here and I'll preach the gospel and I'll preach grace and I'll preach forgiveness and then I'll go out and I'll mess up too and I keep preaching forgiveness because that's the only thing I've got to hold on to. So I'm glad you're here today. Whatever brought you here, like whatever the reason is, I think you ought to consider Jesus. In spite of the fact that you had a college professor, when you had all of your faith kind of organized as a child, and you went to college, and they told you on that one lecture uh, how, how all of Christianity was just a myth, and they showed you the, the house of cards, and it all came crumbling down for you, and you're like, I'm never believing that again. I think you should reconsider today. Jesus Christ, because the foundation of the Christian life is not the behavior of other Christians. And it's not, the foundation of the Christian life is not a series of doctrinal statements that we adhere to. The foundation of the Christian faith, of the Christian life, is the thing we celebrate at Easter. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just a metaphor, it is a reality. It really happened. It is, it is more historically verified than just about any other event in, in, in the last 2,000 years. People saw the man <laughs> after he died. They interacted with him and engaged with him. And today, I just want to tell you the story of Easter. Most people, you know, most people really love hero stories. Have you noticed that? Like, have you ever noticed how many uh, superhero movies come out in the theater Right, there's like six or seven a year, right? Like there, there's one coming out this weekend. There's another one coming out at the beginning of May. There's probably like five more throughout the summer. We love superhero movies. But have you ever stopped to ask why? Like why do we love hero movies so much? I think it's because we really identify with the plot line of a hero movie. Because we all want to be a hero. Have you ever noticed when you go watch a movie where there's an obvious like, like hero person, you don't identify with the villain? <laughs> and you don't identify with the coward in the movie? Who do you identify with? You identify with the superhero. That's who I identify with, and I can prove it to you. Just the other day, when you, when you came in, you saw the, the, the pink, yellow, white fence section that we're taking pictures in front of. If you didn't get your picture taken, make sure you get your picture taken. We're going to post those on Facebook. If you want a, a high-quality resolution, just email us and we'll send it to you. But anyway, I went to go buy that at Lowe's. Okay, I went to go buy it at Lowe's, and I didn't have a big trailer, so I had to put it on top of, of, of an expedition, right? And I've got it strapped down, and it's not going anywhere, but you know what I'm doing as I'm driving down Battlefield? I've got my arm, yeah, there you go, I've got my arm outside the window, because if these straps fail, I've got it. I am 
Superman, right? <laughs> like we, we identify with heroes because, because there's something about that plot line that just resonates with who we are. And I'm convinced that the story of the hero who comes in and saves the day for those people who could not save the day is the story that makes our life make sense. I think that's why we identify with it so well. I think that's why when we see it, we're like, man, that's what I need to happen in my life. I've got this thing that that I have tried everything and I can't seem to overcome. I can't seem to win. I can't seem to take the next step. I need a hero to come and save the day. And that's the story of Easter. Like Easter resonates with us because because we, we identify with that plot line. We identify with that story. Easter resonates with us because we understand what's at stake. We understand that that, that, that when we enter into it and we see that Jesus has come to defeat an enemy that we could not defeat. We, when we see that Jesus has entered into our world to take on a, a foe, to take on death, to take on sin, that we could not defeat, we could not overcome it. And he stepped in, and he stepped into our lives, and he stepped into our reality. Easter begins resonating with us because we understand that things naturally die. Things naturally die. I don't know if you know the laws of dynamics and the laws of physics, but one of them is things naturally deteriorate, right? Things go from a state of organization to chaos. That's, that's one of the laws of the universe, right? Things don't normally go from chaos to order naturally. It takes some kind of, uh, some kind of designer uh, operating the, the, the switches to bring organization to something. Things normally go from organized to chaos. Things naturally die. And Jesus steps into our world to resurrect that which was dead. To take on death itself. To take on the thing that strips us of life and strips us of meaning and strips us of identity. Jesus came to take it on and he ultimately was victorious over death, over, over, over the grave, over the enemy, over sin, over all of the things in your life that's trying to take you into chaos. Jesus <coughs> took them on. He didn't, he didn't just push them off. He entered into the very reality of death itself. And he said, look, I'm back. You can't hold me down. You can't defeat me. I have never lost a battle, and I'm not about to start now. So let me ask you this question as we get started this morning. What's dead in your life? What's dead in your life? Is it your marriage? Does your marriage feel dead? I mean, we've been married for several years now, and it's just kind of like it's grown old, and it's grown cold, and you're just like, I think this thing is just dying. Maybe there's a relationship with a mom or dad, or maybe it's a sibling that you have, or a friend, a best friend that you used to live life with, but that relationship is just dead. Maybe it's your work life. Like, have you ever gone into work, and you just felt like, man, this thing feels dead to me? This used to excite me. This used to energize me. But now it's just, I feel like I'm just spinning. My wheels and the purpose is gone and it just feels dead. And maybe for you, it's not like a thing, but maybe it's something inside of you. Maybe, maybe for you, it's joy. Maybe for you, you're like, I used, to, I used to be so full of joy and so full of excitement and so full of passion. But now I just feel dead inside we all have these moments. Like, you don't have to, I can't really see you, and so you could just be completely honest with your facial expression. We all have these moments in our lives where things die, where we experience death, where something in our life 
descends into chaos. And Easter is the thing that speaks into that reality. We've all been there. I've been there. I remember, I remember when I was a senior in high school and my parents separated because my dad, my parents were married for 27 years. I, all I had known was their relationship. And it wasn't that good. I mean, it was pretty cold. You could probably see it coming. The writing was on the wall, right? But I remember the day he didn't show up. I remember the day he left and he never came back for about a month and a half. That started dying. I remember walking into my, my mom's double-wide trailer in West Virginia and, and walking in after she and my dad, uh, as they were separating, had a fight, and she was laying on the kitchen floor in the fetal position crying because she couldn't stand up because the love of her life had left her. I remember when things die. I know what that's like. I remember in my own life when I had hopes and dreams of, of where God was taking me, and the answer was, no, you're not going there. You've got you to deal with the death of a dream. I've had relationships in my life, good, good friends, who, who, who when things got rough, like they were there, and then something happened in that relationship. Something came in, and, there, and, there, and, and then something you know, changed, and all of a sudden that thing that I cherished was dead. We've all been there. You know the moment I'm talking about, the moment when you have no idea how you're going to make it out of this thing alive. When you look at your marriage and you're like, I don't know how this thing's going to get any better. When you look at your job and you're like, I don't even, I don't have a clue what's, what's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to make it through this. When you look at your bank account and you're like, I don't know how we're going to make it through this month. We all have those things, those stories, and, and, and we look at that death. And, and maybe, maybe for you, something in you feels dead. Maybe it's not just something. Maybe if you were just really honest, you're like, I feel dead. Like, it's not, just, it's not just joy, it's not just my marriage, it's not just, you know, it's not just this relationship, it's actually me. Like, there's something in me that, 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 that all of me, it's just all of me feels dead. Well, the prescription for anything that is dead is resurrection. And that's what I want to talk about to you this morning, because we have a God who specializes. His specialty is resurrecting dead things, reviving dead things, reviving people who feel dead, reviving people who have given up on themselves and left themselves for dead. God steps in. Jesus steps in and he says, I refuse to give up on you and I refuse to give up on your situation because I am a God who specializes in resurrection." So here's how the story unfolds. We've been looking at the book of Mark. So if you have a Bible, open up to Mark chapter 16. If you have a Bible on your phone, you can follow along with us there on the Bible app. There are some directions on the back of your program uh, to, to, to see how to get to that. Um, if you don't want to do either of those, the scriptures will be on the screen behind me. Mark chapter 16, verse 1. I'm just going to read to us the story of the resurrection. When the Sabbath was over... Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Let me kind of catch you up on the story of where we're at. Jesus has just been crucified. Uh, they, they nailed him to a cross. The, the, the Roman Empire crucifies Jesus because the Jewish leaders asked them to. And it's also, for, also in the Jewish calendar, the season of Passover. It's a very special day. It's also, uh, at this point in the story, it's just after Sabbath, but Jesus is crucified just before Sabbath. And so, and so because of the religious laws and the religious codes, right, and Sabbath and Passover and all that happening, 
They didn't want to leave Jesus hanging up there dead because, because there were some things they could and couldn't do during the Sabbath and during Passover. So the guy named Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, his last name wasn't Arimathea, that was the town he was from. So Joseph goes to Pilate, the Roman in charge of all of this, and he says, we need Jesus' body. He's already dead. And Pilate says, what? He's already dead? I don't believe that. So he sends some soldiers, and they check Jesus, and they stab him in the side, and, and, and it starts gushing out, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's dead. Which, by the way, people think, oh, well, he wasn't really dead. He was just passed out. Listen, Romans were experts in killing people. <laughs> They knew when somebody was dead. These people weren't fools, right? He was dead. And so, yeah, they're like, Pilate, he's dead. And Pilate says, yes, Joseph, you can go take care of him. So Joseph hurriedly kind of gets Jesus' body ready for the tomb and sticks him in the tomb. And then once Sabbath ended and they could, they could go work again, three ladies decided, well, if a man did it, it probably needs to be redone. So they go to the grave. Some things never change. Give Joseph the benefit of the doubt. He had to do it fast. So Mary, Mary, and, and that's like a, like a band name. Mary, Mary, and Salome, right? They, they go to the tomb because they're going to fix what Joseph did. They're going to anoint Jesus' body. It's a very important thing that they're doing. Verse 2, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Now, just notice like the centerpiece of their conversation as they're going to see Jesus. Notice what they're talking about. They're talking about the big rock. The big rock that they're talking about, the stone, is this big round uh, stone that weighs, scholars really all over the place on this, weighs anywhere from like half a ton to two and a half tons, okay? Main thing, it was really big, and these three women were not going to be able to move it by themselves. And not because they were weak. Check this out. This is, this is how you have to visualize the entrance to a tomb. When you would roll the stone closed, you were rolling the stone on a slight downhill grade, so it was easy to roll it shut. If you were going to open it back up, you had to roll it uphill. Two, like a, a, let's be conservative, a ton rock you had to push uphill. One person couldn't do this by themselves. Two people struggled. And in fact, this is something that I, it's not in my notes, but it's just something I know um, they, they had kind of a handle on the outside so you could, you know, uh, you could have something to hold on to, but on the inside there was no handle because who needs to get out of a tomb when they're on the inside? Hello. Right. I just let think about that at Easter Sunday, all right? So anyway, they're going and they're talking about who's going to take care of the rock for us, who's going to take care of the stone. Notice what they're not talking about. Hey, let's go see Jesus' resurrected body. Right. You want to know why? Because resurrection wasn't on their radar. They had no idea that this is what Jesus had been talking about for three years. They were clueless. Everybody was clueless. Nobody was set standing outside the tomb. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Oh, yeah, resurrection. They had no idea. They're talking about how are they going to get inside to take care and rewrap Jesus' body. They had no clue about the resurrection. Also notice this, they are women, okay? Here's something that's really important to understand about the, 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 the verif like how we know this story is actually true. It's because women were there, right? Um, <laughs> but, 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 but that you're thinking, you're thinking as like a 21st century person. You've got to think like a 1st century person. Women had, no, uh, women had no credibility in the 1st century. 
They could not be, they could not be witnesses in a courtroom. They could not testify on behalf of somebody. They had no credibility. So if the gospel writers were going to write a piece of fiction about Jesus resurrecting, they would not have chosen to make the first witnesses women. Because nobody would believe a woman's testimony. The only reason the gospel writers tell us that women were the first to go to the empty tomb is because women were the first to go to an empty tomb. If they could have written it a different way, they would have. But they couldn't because everybody knew the story. So they had to write it. If they could have changed it, they would have. But then everybody would have known they would have changed it. So the fact that it's women who goes to see Jesus first, the fact that women are the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection should scream to us that this thing is legit, that something really happened. Verse 4. But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Do you know why they were alarmed? Because they were in a graveyard. (laughs) And there is a man inside the tomb, sitting, hanging out. You would be alarmed, too, if you went to a graveyard and just saw somebody sitting there. Hey, how y'all doing? Are you here to visit somebody? No. I'm just hanging out. How would you respond if you, like, stroll in and go, wait, it's open. There's somebody in there. Freak me out, man. Verse 6. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now, I wish, I wish we could camp out just on this verse alone, because I think there are some of you in the room, you're looking for something, you're looking for life, but you're looking for it in a place of death. The the, the man in the white robe, we assume that he's an angel, he probably is. He's like, look, the thing you're looking for, the person you're looking for, isn't in the place you're looking. And some of you, that's what you need to hear this morning, like that's the only reason you're here. You're here because somebody needs to tell you the thing you're looking for is not in the place you're looking for it. You're looking for love and it's not in the place you're looking for it. You're looking for acceptance and you won't find it in the place you're looking for it. You're looking for meaning for your life, but you're not going to find it in the place you're looking for it because the place you're looking for it is the symbol of everything that takes life away from us. But we don't see that sometimes. Sometimes we're looking for stuff in all the wrong places. It's ironic, right? They're searching for the author of life in a place of death. And some of us, we do the same thing. We're looking for life for our souls. We're looking for life for our insides. We're looking for joy. We're looking for hope. And we're looking for it in all the wrong places. It's not there. Verse 7. But go, the, the man in white says, go, tell his disciples. And I love that he names Peter specifically. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Tell Peter and the disciples, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. I love that Peter gets mentioned specifically. Because if you don't know the story of Peter, the story of Peter basically goes like this. Like Reader's Digest version. Mark chapter 8, Jesus is with his disciples in this town called Caesarea Philippi. And he says, hey, who do people say that I am? And they're like, well, some people think you're this guy. Some people think you're a prophet. Some people think you And Jesus finally says, okay, forget about them. Who do you say I am? And, and they're like, you know, they're talking. And then Peter just blurts out. He says, I think you are the son of God. And Jesus doesn't say, hold on. 
Peter, pop, like, pop down a little bit. You need to dial it back. No, no, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, you didn't come to that conclusion on your own. God has revealed that to you. He doesn't correct Peter. He says, you're right. And by the way, this isn't an idea that you came up with. God revealed this to you. So there's Peter making this declaration like, you are the son of God. And then in Mark chapter 14, uh, Peter disowns Jesus. <laughs> He's like, you are the son of God. Oh, wait, I don't know that man. <laughs> and I do the same things. And maybe you, you, you've done the same thing, too. Like, like there are times in my life where I'm uh, not proud of it. It's not something that I, I brag about. But in, in, in decisions that I've made, and not just in a way like Peter, like, hey, do you know Jesus? No, I don't know Jesus. No, not like a, you know, one of those kind of stories. Not that, but ways every day we, we, we have a tendency to deny Jesus. You know, we don't we don't live out of the out of the identity that he's he's given us, and I, and I love that that the, the that the man in white, right, the, the angel in white, mentions Peter specifically because Peter had owned it. Peter had the revelation of God. You were the son of God, and he just he tucked tail. He abandoned Jesus. He discovered that in fact he was not good enough to be a follower of Jesus. That he, that he he was not strong enough. That he was a failure. And I bet in this moment, I bet Peter had given up on himself. And I love that Jesus has a message for Peter. Hey, 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 go tell Peter. You have not gone too far that my grace can't find you. Go tell Peter. You have not, you have not turned and walked away so far beyond my ability to save you. Hey, go tell Peter. You have not messed up so much that my grace cannot forgive you. I love that he mentions Peter specifically because, because maybe you came in here and, and, and you're at that point where Peter is, where you're ready to give up on yourself. You're ready to give up on your marriage, your kids. You're, you, you're ready to give up and just say, well, I guess my life is just going to be like this. I guess I'll never have joy again. I guess I'll never feel hope again. Something is dead inside of me and I guess it will never be alive again. I think Jesus would have a message for you this morning, which goes, by the way, go tell, you know, my disciples and Peter, go tell him specifically. I think Jesus wants you to know specifically, you are not too far gone. No matter what you've told yourself, no matter what you're trying to make yourself believe, no matter what the lie is that people have told you, you are not too far gone for Jesus to rescue you, to, for, for Jesus to save you. You might feel like, like, I don't even belong here. I don't fit here. Look at all these, you know, all these really nice looking Christian people. And they fit here and they belong here, but I don't. Listen, you belong here because Jesus refuses to give up on people. Amen. He especially refuses to give, on, give up on people who have already given up on themselves. Peter, make sure, make sure you tell Peter. You see... The resurrection is a message about second chances, and third chances, and fourth chances. Resurrection, the message of Easter is that, is that the end is not the end. There's another chance coming. Jesus hasn't forgiven up. Jesus hasn't given up on you. And the truth is, he never will. You're not, going to, you're not going to find yourself in your life and turn around and look like, where did Jesus go? He's going to be 
Right? And I love that. I love Jesus. I love, I love the message that the man in white gives to the, the ladies to tell the disciples. Basically, I, if, if we want to boil it down to it, they're like, hey, go tell the disciples and Peter, he'll meet you there. And you know what? I think your there is here. I think all week Jesus has been like speaking to people, the person that invited you, and, and, and maybe he didn't use these words, but he's like, hey, go tell your friend, I'll meet him there. I'll meet him there. You see, your there is right here. Jesus, you don't even see this. Jesus has been setting you up for this moment, for here today, for somebody to share with you that he'll meet you here. He'll meet you here in the middle of your, of your brokenness, in the middle of, of, of your giving up, in the middle of your failure. He'll meet you there. He'll meet you here. Verse 8. Look how the women respond. Trembling and bewildered. The women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to no one because they were afraid. Do you notice what they did? They didn't go out like, hey, you know, they take off running like, Jesus is risen from the grave. He is resurrected. You want to know why they didn't do that? Because they were perplexed. They were bewildered. They were confused. They didn't know what to think. They, they were so blown away by this idea of resurrection because here's the thing about resurrection. It will do that to you. Re when you see for the first time that, that Jesus not only has resurrected from the grave himself, but he can revive the dead thing inside of you, it leaves you going, what? Because resurrection is like nothing you and I have ever encountered before. Because things naturally die and people tend to stay dead. Here's Jesus. When things die in your life, when things, when, when things die inside of you, they tend to stay dead. But when Jesus steps into the mix, when Jesus gets involved, all of a sudden the darkness that you feel like you're in right now is not too dark for him. And the grave that you feel like you've been thrown in is not too deep for him. And the death that you feel like you're carrying around is not too dead for him to bring it back to life. Resurrection has a way of leaving us perplexed, bewildered. What is going on? And Mark doesn't tell us how they respond. He kind of leaves it open-ended, like they went off. and We don't really know, but Luke does. Luke is another gospel writer who, who says at the beginning of his writing, I have meticulously researched this out. I have interviewed people, and I've, I've like writing a research paper. And he says this in verse 11 of chapter 24. He says... When they get back, the women get back. They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. In other words, the women come in and they're telling the disciples, Oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe what we saw at the tomb. We don't understand it. Is it true? Is it real? We don't know. But there was this man, he was in white. He said, Jesus isn't here. And the disciples are going, You are crazy. <laughs> Y'all went to the wrong tomb. No wonder we don't let them testify in court. <laughs> Are crazy. This is nonsense. The reason they couldn't believe it is because resurrection defies convention. It makes no sense. It is illogical. Things that are dead do not revive. Dead is dead except when Jesus gets involved. When Jesus gets involved, dead things come back to life. That's why it blew their minds. And, 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 and John, another writer, then he tells us what happened next in John chapter 20, verses 3. Look at this. 
So Peter and the other disciple, who is John, he's writing about himself in the third person. They started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Do you know why he didn't go in? Because they were at a tomb. <laughs> Think about that. I wouldn't go in either. All right, verse uh, 6. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was, lying, was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, John. Finally, John, who had followed Jesus for three and a half years. Finally, John, who saw Jesus do miracle after miracle after miracle. Finally, John, who sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to the most amazing teacher the world had ever and has ever known. John, who heard Peter say, you are the son of God. John, who saw everything. That, he saw Jesus walk on the water. He saw Jesus multiply the food. John, he saw him take, take, a, take a dead man named Lazarus and bring him back to life. Hey, Lazarus, come out of the grave. And there comes Lazarus. John finally steps inside the tomb. And when he went inside, look at this last line. He saw and believed. Do you know when John finally believed? Do you know when John finally crossed that line and took that step where I believe, I trust in you, Jesus? It wasn't Jesus' teaching, even though his teaching was awesome. It wasn't the parables. It wasn't the miracles. It wasn't the three years he spent with him. It's resurrection. When he saw resurrection... When he saw something that defied logic, that defied his intelligence, when he saw something that was so impossible and implausible that a man who was dead would come back to life. When he saw the empty tomb. See, resurrection is a power unlike anything we have ever encountered before. And some of you have tried so hard to fix yourself. Some of you have, you have tried so hard to measure up to some, to some standard. So, some of us have tried so hard to get ourselves right, to fix ourselves, to fix our mistakes, to fix our failures, to fix our joy, to fix our marriage, to fix our relationships. Some of us have tried so hard to fix our past. Fix the things that were done to us. Listen to me. I know some of you, and some of you have gone through hell in your past, and you've tried so hard to get over it and to let it go, but it keeps tripping you up, and you're trying to fix it, and you can't fix it because you can't raise the dead. Only Jesus can. That's why this is a great day to be in church. Because Jesus raises dead things. Because Jesus resurrects things that were lying lifeless and dead. So let me ask you again, what's dead in your life? What's dead? Where do you feel like you're losing it? Where do you feel like it's just spinning out of control? Where do you feel like every, the, the foundation has crumbled and you're left trying to put the pieces back together? Where, where, where do you feel like you are dead? Would you bring that to Jesus this morning? 
Would you, would you bring that to Jesus? Would you bring that, that, that dead thing to him? Because he's never lost. He's never lost a battle. He's never been defeated. He's never been overcome. He's never been overwhelmed. He's never been taken by surprise. There's never been a fight that he was scared to enter in. And there's never been a person that he thought he could not bring victory into their life. Would you bring that dead thing to Jesus? See, because he's never lost. Because he's never been defeated. You're never without hope. Listen to me today. You are never without hope. There's hope for you. There's hope for your future. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your kids. There's hope for your work. There's hope for your finances. There's hope for your joy. There's hope for the despair and the brokenness that you feel inside of you. Would you bring that to Jesus? And we're not asking him to just make it a little bit better. Like, can you just make this a little bit better? No, no, no. Today, we're asking, can you resurrect this? If you can come out of a grave, can you bring me with you? Amen. Yes. Can you resurrect this? And maybe today, like, you would say, I don't feel like my life is falling apart. I just feel like something's missing. I feel like I haven't found that thing. Like, I have a good life and good marriage, good job, you know, my kids are great, like every, everything's good, it's just, it's just, oh, there's just something missing, and you've been trying to fill it, listen, you've been trying to fill it with, with a promotion, and you've been trying to fill it with money, and you've been trying to fill it, you know, with relationships, and maybe you're not married, maybe you're going from person to person, maybe you are married, and you're trying to fill it with an affair, or you're trying to fill it with flirting with that guy at work, and you're just trying to fill it because you're just like looking and searching, I've got a good life, but something's missing, can I say to you something, the thing that is missing in your life is not a thing, it's a person. It's the only one who can make dead things live. And you can trust him. How do, you, how do I know you can trust him? Because any person who can predict and then fulfill, like predict and deliver on their own death and resurrection, I'm just going to put my trust in that one. That's right. Amen. Okay? How do you know you can trust Jesus? Because he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He said they were going to kill him and he was going to come back to life, and he did it. So I trust him. So today I want to invite you. I want to invite you to ask, ask Jesus to raise that thing that's dead in your life. For some of you, it's your whole life. You need a whole new beginning today. You need to, you need a whole fresh start. You need, you need the, the slate to be wiped clean and begin again. Today is your opportunity to do that. Your opportunity to ask for forgiveness. Your opportunity to invite Jesus into your life. For some of you, you might describe it as like there's this, there's this hole that's just that, that I can't fill. And the missing part is, 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 is Jesus. And I want to invite you to follow him. For some of you, you've been on the fence. 
been on the fence. You're like, I can't really decide. I don't know. I've been checking it out. I've been, I've been looking into it. I've been coming to church, and I'm not really sure where I sit, where I stand. I'm kind of in the middle. I don't know. Today's your day. Today's the day, man. Today is the day to trust in resurrection. To trust in the one who can bring that deadness back to life. If you're ready, man. The whole time I've been speaking, there's just been something inside of you going, yes. Yes, that's what I, I need that. That's me. It's like you've been talking to me specifically. Do you have my phone? Have you been reading my text messages? How do you know that's what I'm going through? It's time for you. It's time for you. Today is your day. Today is your day to take that step across the line to put your trust in Jesus. Invite him to resurrect the dead thing in you and live your life for him. All over the auditorium, I want to invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.